What's good, everybody? Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the first episode of Put Me In, Coach. My name is Coach Hill, founder of Coach Hill Wheel Fitness and co-founder of 615 Sports. Being this is my first episode of Put Me In, Coach, I'm going to use it as an introduction to tell you about its purpose and give you the release schedule for future episodes. I create this podcast for players, parents, and coaches alike to discuss what it takes to play sports at all levels, along with many other topics, such as sports-specific skill work, nutrition, the college recruiting process, coach development, and much more outside of sports, like the newest gear that's hitting the streets so you can stay fresh for the culture and current events that have an effect on the games we love. To stay informed and advance your game, tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Central Time. I'll be posting new episodes featuring special guests. But if that's too long of a wait and you're interested in viewing new content and learning more on the daily, follow me on Instagram at CoachHillWheel underscore 615. Again, that's at CoachHillWheel underscore 615. Live from the 615, my name is Coach Hill, and thanks for tuning in to the most informative podcast for aspiring college prospects. Holla at y'all later. What's good, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to be discussing the importance of mental health in sports for players, parents, and coaches. And with that, we have a very special guest and the newest member to the 615 family, Coach Bobby Harbeck. Coach Harbeck is going to be undertaking the role as our Director of Mental Health here for 615ers. He's based out of the Sunshine State down in Miami, Florida, but travels the country consulting numerous players, coaches, and organizations as a mental health therapist and sports psychologist. He has over six years of experience and is a former college athlete, earning his undergraduate degree at Weber International University in sports management before moving on to obtain an MS in applied psychology, specializing in sports psychology at Walton University. So, Coach Harbeck, I want to go ahead and say thank you for joining us today and that we really do appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and discuss mental health and its importance in sports. Because I feel like this is a subject that people neglect for various reasons. And, and often this is something that, you know, can hinder anyone from reaching their full potential. Um, once again, thank you, Coach, here for inviting me. My name is Coach Harbeck. I really want to say thank you for the opportunity to be here this afternoon to share what I know as a mental health therapist and a sports psychologist therapist at the same time. So uh, how about we start with a few questions to familiarize people, you know, with what it is that you do. Um, You know, my first question, I guess, would be, what is a mental health therapist and sports psychologist? Uh, Can you describe what you do and how you help an athlete, coach, or organization? As in terms of a mental health therapist, you know, I focus on helping clients cope and deal with uh, mental issues, which can be anxiety, stress, depression, different types of mood swings, personality. I help them devise a plan to where we can work together as a team to bring some sense of balance to help them be able to coexist in the community, at work, at school. It doesn't matter what age, you know, we focus on helping individuals get into a better state of mind. And as a sports psychologist therapist, my goal is to help players reach ultimate performance by increasing their ultimate mindset and figuring out what's going on as a competitor, sports anxiety, pressure from home, pressure from coaches, pressure from the classroom, and pressure from having relationships with or without family members or couples. Okay, so there were, uh, you know, 
different types of professionals in the mental health field. Um, you know, uh, is there a difference uh, between uh, the treatments of maybe a mental health therapist, a sports psychologist, um, uh, and maybe even a psychiatrist? Um, you know, what, what are the significant differences in treatment wise with psychologists and psychiatrists? As in uh, a mental health therapist, yes, that's the difference between the three. With the mental health therapist, I focus on providing clients with coping skills, interventions based on their status, mental health status. We have clients, for instance, come to us with attention deficit, hyperactive disorder, major depression disorder, anxiety disorder. So we devise a plan to help them develop coping skills where they can function on a daily basis. And with the sports psychologist role, my job is to help clients cope and deal with stress, how to manage their time, how to reach an ultimate performance based on having an ultimate mindset. So what I do in terms of that, I assess the player's performance. I investigate their their understanding of what's working and what's not working to help them increase the chances of uh, reaching an optimal mindset and an optimal performance. Now, when it, now, now when it comes to a psychiatrist, the psychiatrist's role is to conduct a psychological evaluation to understand where the client is continually having mental breakdowns, psychotic breakdowns, and there may be a possibility of them receiving medication from the psychiatrist to help them cope and coexist in society or in the community. That's the role of a psychiatrist. Man, I, I really do appreciate you breaking it down the way that you did, because I feel as though there are many people who don't have a full understanding of the differences uh, in professions within the mental health community. And so, you know, there are people who will hear therapists or psychologists and think it's the same thing as psychiatrists. When in fact, you know, yes, you do treat some of the same, if not similar disorders, mental illnesses and syndromes. It's your methods of assessment, evaluation and uh, you know, treatment that defer, you know, you as psychologists are going to look more at the internal and external forces uh, that are creating the challenges for your client and, and try to develop a strategy to overcome it. Whereas a psychiatrist, they're going to do that too. However, they're going to look at more of the physiological components and mechanisms uh, that are affecting, you know, a client. And, you know, that's where, as you said, you know, they look at possibly having uh, medication be prescribed. Uh, now, with with that clarification, it kind of gets me into the next question. You know, how do you, as a sports psychologist, mental health uh, psychologist, get players, parents, and coaches to be proactive about their mental health? Okay, first and foremost, as a mental health therapist, we assess for any psychological issues that a client may have coming to us as uh, clinicians. So we focus on gathering enough information from those clients to see where they are mentally. So my responsibility is to get a better understanding of where the, where the client may be, uh, what's causing distractions, 
uh, poor concentration, um, depression, anxiety. So I ask those questions in turns to see where they are mentally. And then when it comes to sports psychology, which is connected to the mindset, mental health, mental the mindset, which is where I focus on what's causing roadblocks. What are the internal, external factors that interfere with the player while they're trying to perform? And my goal is to help players reach their optimal performance based on increasing their optimal mindset. So with that being said, in order to reach their optimal performance, my focus is to help the, help the players understand that you have to have an optimal mindset to be able to reach that level, the highest level they can play in that, in that field or in that profession. So I assess for poor concentration, lack of concentration, anxiety, depression outside of the the realm of playing sports. So I go into investigating what's going on on and off the surface or on and off the playing field to help the players understand where they are mentally. And that's my way of helping parents and coaches figure out what's going on with my son or daughter, why they're not performing at such and such level that they expect their kid or player to be performing at. So what I do is educate the, the parents, players, and coaches, which is called psychoeducation, meaning that we're talking about the mindset, what's causing these mental blocks to where the player cannot perform at its highest level or to reach its ultimate level of performance. So I focus more in terms of troubleshooting, investigating, exploring what's going on with the player, how I can get the player to be satisfied, not just only in sports, but also just in life itself. So that's where mental health and sports psychology merge together because it all focus on the mindset as a whole, with or without sports. So that's where I focus my energy and time on educating the, educating the players, the parents, and the coaches, which is where I take pride and passion to help them fully understand that it's okay to have a mental health issue is how we're going to focus on creating game plans to cope and deal with those issues. And with the percentages, according to researchers, every year mental illness affects the adult population at 19%, 46% of teenagers, 13% of children. And this is like every year. And this coming from the World Health Organization, where researchers are constantly evolving year after year to show that there are mental health roadblocks in terms of just individual, non-athletic, and student athletic. So I take pride in helping the players and parents and coaches get a better understanding of what's going on, which is called a holistic approach, focus on the mind, the body, and the spirit. And with that being said, here recently, and I say recently, like two years ago, um, down in South Florida, Broward County, we had two student athletes, elite student athletes, commit suicide because they were dealing with depression, stress, and financial difficulties. And the coaches and the peers 
and administrators of that particular school didn't know or had no understanding of what was going on with these what was going on with these elite student athletes. One was committed to Georgia, Georgia Tech, and another one was committed to an Ivory League school. One was a male and one was a female. So mental health does not discriminate on nobody. And also keep in mind that mental health is currently affecting professional players and in the past also. So now, you know, instance where players are coming out talking about their mental health, Tim Tebow, for instance, learning disability, Jamal Charles, learning disability, Aaron Foster, substance abuse, depression, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, depression. So these are high profile individuals, professionals at the highest level, and they still have these mental issues. So therefore, that's the way that I like to utilize what I know to share with the parents, players, and coaches. That is okay to admit that I have a mental health issue or concern to be able to reach that highest level of their mindset. 46%. 46%. That figure, 46% of teenagers are affected by mental illness a year? Like, that figure alone changes the whole perspective as a coach, I mean, as a parent, on what it is that we're investing our money in when it comes to the development of our children, of our players. I know many parents who will spend hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars for their kids to work out with, you know, specific trainers in the region uh, to play for specific teams, you know, that may be hundreds of miles away to travel the country during the summertime. But we're spending all this money on the physical development of our kids and this coach, that's what we focus on a lot. It's really the physical development of our kids. Are they working out? Are they able, you know, to execute what we're, what we're trying to teach them? But what about the mental workouts that have to happen? Are we doing enough? Uh, are we investing enough in the mental workouts that need to happen? I mean, it's sad that you you had this example of those two, you know, athletically inclined kids down in, in, in Broward County that, you know, who's to say if they, I don't know all the specifics, but who is to say if there was more of an investment in the mental development and mental workouts, as much as there was, or there is, let me say there was, but there is an emphasis and focus on the physical development of our kids that those Two kids would not be examples, you know, but, you know, moving on from, you know, just that portion, also just looking at what you say you do as far as you use high profile celebrities or excuse me, athletes who may be role models to kind of create some relatability, right? So, uh, so they're, so they're relatable. I mean, I just made up a word with that, but, you know, you use these players to say, hey, look, 
you're not the only person who's going through something. And I think that's great. But this leads into the next question. I mean, you kind of answered a little bit, but but this, this leads into, you know, this question of how do you get players, parents, coaches to utilize a sports psychologist as part of their toolkit in terms of training, competing, and recovery uh, when there is the stigma with mental health and sometimes, you know, this false perception of masculinity with young men um, prevents them from wanting to add a sports psychologist. Like, what, what do you do? How do, how do you do it? Okay. Um, the lack of knowledge and education, which is based on psychoeducation, showing verification, proof, statistics, facts of mental health issues that is happening with uh, professional athletes, collegiate athletes, high school athletes, and uh, amateur athletes. So my approach would be to those individuals that have those negative thoughts or self-doubt in terms of um, does mental health actually exist? Yes, it does exist. Um, I'm willing to educate you know, players, parents, and coaches on what it takes and what it looks like as in having these mental health roadblocks or mental health illness, which impacts, you know, a player in the classroom, on the playing field, or let alone just in the household or in the community. So, and with, and with that being said, like, it's okay to admit that you may have a concern. That's a possibility of having a concern. Um, knowing thyself is important to know if you have an issue or concern. But if you don't know that, you always can reach out to someone that may have a little more experience or work in that profession, such as myself. Um, with the stigma and false perception, um, yeah, that's, that's like years and years and years and years of uh, stigmatism that was developed in our communities based on we don't have any concerns mentally. We okay, we okay, um, which is known not to be true because we have elite athletes on professional levels not just only athletes, but owners too on a professional level that really understand that there are some mental health illness that need to be talked about, shared, so we can help decrease or eliminate stigmatism and false perception. Um, as, I, as I cited earlier, um, when it came down to Two elite high school student athletes, one a junior, one a senior, was suffering with mental health illness, but didn't know how to co go about opening up and admitting, but feeling shameful, keeping it inside, repressing the thoughts of what people may say, or they may say, I'm crazy, there's nothing wrong with me. So with that being said, that's where individuals take it amongst themselves to figure out, okay, this is how I'm going to deal with it committing suicide and it's totally not the way to go about it it's okay to admit that you have this mental health concern or mental health issue and it's it's not it's nothing to be ashamed about and having that mindset of readiness to explore meaning self-evaluation self-awareness that's the key that's the that's the initiation of saying that okay 
Let me confine in someone that I can trust. Let me confine in someone that I'm willing to open up to, to share what's going on, because I can't beat this by myself. And keep in mind, you're not the only individual that's faced with these mental health concerns or mental health issues. So you can always tell yourself it's okay that I can reach out and get some help. Now, when it comes to training, competing, and recovering, that's, that's, that's more in terms of where I'm going, where you're trying to go as a competitor, as an athlete, as a non-athlete. Like, what I'm going to do to get myself mentally healthy to where I can go out and compete in the workforce, in the classroom, on the playing field, basketball, football, no matter what sports, how I'm going to train myself to be able to say, okay, when I get knocked down, how I'm going to regroup, how I'm going to refocus, how I'm going to get myself to where I'm feeling comfortable and confidence about taking that initial step to move on through training, through competing and recovery. Cause all of that revolves around the mindset and the based on the mindset is about having an attitude, a positive attitude. Attitude is the key first and foremost of how we're going to approach anything in life when it comes to learning. Are you willing to learn? That's the initiative of ready to show some kind of growth in the stages of changes from one stage to the next stage. Why, oh my goodness, man. That that was a lot. Like, and now I mean it's good that that was, I mean, because mental health is complex and and there are different, so many different aspects to it. But I pray that the people listening were able to get what I got out of that. Because what you just said was extremely powerful. And so, you know. You hit point after point after point after point on that. You know, you started out with, I teach them the psychoeducation so they know what mental health is, right? They understand why it's important. Then we move on to addressing those stigmas and false perceptions by saying, hey, you know, you're not the only person that's going through something. Other people going through stuff, not just you. And, you know, I like to tell people you don't go through life alone. But, you know, in today's age with social media, you know, people often look at what other people are doing. So, you know, in with, with me as a coach and as an administrator as well, like we might look at what a different program is doing, what a different team is doing, what a different player is doing, whatever. And then it's kind of the new keeping up with the Joneses. You try to compare yourself like there's a specific timeline. But the reality is, there's not. There's not. And you don't know what problems they went through. Right. So but you're not alone. Everybody has some type of trial or tribulation they're going through. And then to add to it, you have people in your corner. And maybe you don't have everybody you want in your corner, in your corner, but you have people in your corner. And sometimes you know, people in your corner aren't the people you could talk to. But and it's not because they can't relate to you, but it might be a thing of, hey, 
You don't want to cause concern for them. But again, that's where bringing in, you know, a sports psychologist or therapist into your into your toolkit. Now you got somebody you could sit down and dissect whatever it is that you're going through. And y'all can strategize. Y'all can create a game plan. Try to address the issue. Right? And then you talked about the whole thing of acknowledgement. And, and real quick before I even get into that, the other part of, you know, being able to confide with that person, like, you know, that conversation is going nowhere. Like, that is going no, It's going between you and that person. So now you have this liberty. You have this freedom. Right. And so when you have that liberty and that freedom, at least in, in, from that, you move into acknowledgement and you get that liberty and that freedom from that acknowledgement. Right. That carries over into your training. That carries over into the when you compete. That carries over into, you know, your recovery, because now that you have this acknowledgement, this freedom and this liberty. In a way, you're able to train harder. Not even in a way you're able to train harder because you're not focused on whatever it was you were before. Now, when it's time to compete, you've trained harder, so you're going to be in the game playing harder. You're going to execute. You're going to perform better. And then on top of it, you're going to have this laser focus on what it is you're there to do. Then you move on to the recovery portion. And the recovery process is easier. Because, again, you've already planned it out as to what it is you're going to do to address the other issues. So now when it's time to recover, that's all it's time to do is just to recover. That's it. That's it. So, you know, this it was crazy inspiring to me it's really you know made me be or become even more of an advocate for my players and you know people that I come in contact with that are serious about wanting to play at the next level or wanting to you know advance their skill or not even just play at the next level but elevate their life about hey, you need you might want to look at getting a sports psychologist involved. I'm telling you, man, like um that was powerful, but let me go ahead and move on to the next question. So, you know, this is a little bit more about you and uh, you know, about programs and you know, players that you may have worked with in the past. Like, can you tell us about uh, you know, Programs, players that you may have worked with in the past and the results they may have gotten, um, you know, positive results they've gotten after working with you. I understand, you know, you probably can't speak names and stuff like that for confidentiality purposes. And that's not a that's not an issue. But can you just give us a couple examples of, you know, uh, I guess the fruits of your labor? Yes. Uh, first and foremost, I was out in Wyoming working at a therapeutic group home, uh, working with adjudicated juveniles um also kids from the ages of 10 to 18 and i was a, a coach there a track coach basketball coach and a football coach now keep in mind at risk 
never played any organized sports. You know, they there. We had a program. Um, they willing to try um, because in terms of making time go by, you know, we offer programs where activities are involved. As in coaches and as in counselors, we understand that these kids are not on the wavelength of playing sports. So that self was challenging. So therefore, you know, as a therapist and as a sports psychologist therapist, you know, it comes in terms of how we're going to reach the kids on the plan on the playing field when they all having psychological issues on medication, you know, based on depression, bipolar, and regards to that. So what I'm trying to say is like that's where I was able to understand that hey, what I have going on as a sports psychologist therapist, if I can relate to these um, clients or peers in this program based on their troublesome background allowed me to get a better understanding of what it takes to transition, transition from bad behaviors to good behaviors and how to find that balance. So within that being said, we had kids that came out for the very first time, teens that came out for the very first time to compete in those sports. So I was able to utilize that as well as not just being a counselor or but also a sports therapist. And when, it, when I had the opportunity to work with the Sheridan men's basketball program, I was able to provide sessions based on attitude, motivation, confidence, self-visualization to help the team coexist, team cohesiveness, which is very important when you're playing on a collective team because you have multiple personalities to be able to mesh together to build a dynamic team. So I was also providing services for the coaches in terms of how to relate to their players, how to understand what's trigger the players, what motivates the player, so they can build that camaraderie to where they was able to succeed. And two years in a row, they made it to the regional championship, which is D1 JUCO, it's two years, D1 JUCO, because you got D1, D2 JUCO, and they was able to compete two years in a row to reach the regional championship game prior to going to the actual championship game. So for me, that was success because I was able to have coaches testify, testimony about the services that I provided and also have players that was very grateful and thankful to bring awareness to them meaning that they had no idea about self-image, um, positive attitude, how it makes a big difference. So that, that's, that's where, you know, I was able to put to the test what I know based on how sports psychology can make a difference in athletes' life. Yo, both of those examples were, like, extremely dope. All right, the first one, you know, working with kids in a group home and kind of hit home and struck a chord with me because a lot of people don't know, but I grew up in a group home, uh, you know, through my high school career and, you know, very different circumstances. It wasn't like state mandated or anything like that. It was a nonprofit organization based on academics. Um, and, you know, it was kind of a gateway out of poverty, but I understand what it is to be in an environment where, you know, you're meeting new people that you're actually having to live with. Right. And so, you know, 
you want to find kind of middle ground to relate. And so most of us at that house, we were, we were all athletes for the most part. And so I know like you use the ultimate unifier with these youth at this group home who, you know, is challenging in itself working with youth, but you were working with youth that you probably would say the society to an extent probably kind of, I'm not going to say gave up on or anything like that, but they probably just didn't want to deal with it. And I hate to say it that way, but they probably wouldn't want to deal with those kids because they know how difficult it would be. And so to hear that you were able to go in and to help kids who had underlying issues and you were able to take sports and unify them, you were able to allow them to, you know, figure out, you know, cohesion within the, within the team and uh, self-perseverance and, you know, mental tenacity and all of those things. I mean, and not one sport, but you mentioned three sport. Coach Harbeck, that in itself is, you know, commendable. But then we move on to the community college, your collegiate experience. A lot of people have this uh, other perception of what it means to be a, a college athlete. A lot of people think that if you're going to be a division one athlete, you have to go to a power five conference and play for one of those schools. And that's simply not the case. Uh, there are countless division one JUCO two year schools. All right. National division one schools where you have room and board and they have scholarships. OK. And there is talent. Part of those programs, a lot of that talent goes and plays, uh, you know, overseas, you know, professionally. Uh, you know, you were able to go and be a part of that, not one year, but two years, you know, and, and help them, you know, succeed. And not only is it a thing of you were just there and they succeeded, but the coaches, uh, you know, and the players are testaments to, you know, what it is you were able to do. So that, man, like both of them, I loved it. And it, it is extremely commendable, man. I know, you know, it had to, uh, it had to feel good, you know, once you really saw kind of what was able to come out of the work you were doing. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, very, very um, self-gratification, self-rewarding. But it was, you know, the opportunity that was presented to me, you know, knowing that, you know, it could have been an easily no, but the opportunity was presented based on, me coming with the mindset of how can I help your team succeed? How can I help your team build cohesiveness? How can I help your team develop a willpower to learn and compete? You know, that's that's where I felt like, you know, I was given the opportunity to share what I know in regards of just saying, oh, he's just another individual, you know, but the coach was able to see through what I was trying to show as in working with the the community college and as in working at my job you know it, it took it took some you know determination perseverance you know and also identifying with the kids of knowing that it's okay to have these issues you are somebody but give yourself an opportunity to do something you never done before you know so it was definitely fulfilling yes yeah, that's, that's cool man i think that uh we're going to go ahead and move on to the next topic. Um, touch base on COVID-19 and the 
pandemic. You know, obviously, 615 Finest, we are a brand new AAU organization here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, We put together a pretty strong roster of local talent. Uh, This is going to be a big year for us, breakout year, first year. Uh, We also had a schedule that was going to allow our kids to um, travel around the country and hopefully get the necessary exposure uh, that they needed. And then COVID comes in and it kind of shuts all of that down. So now as a coach, I'm constantly being asked by players, you know, when are we going to compete? Are we going to compete? Because obviously they're seeing other programs take risks by traveling out of state uh, to compete in tournaments. And then we have, uh, you know, the parent factor in there of, you know, I'm explaining to the parents, hey, they're asking if we're going to compete. Your your kids are asking if we're going to compete now. And I don't even think there's going to be a high school basketball season. I just don't see too many um, you know, states wanting to take that risk because of, of the unknowns that are involved uh, with this particular virus. Uh, the other thing is, you know, for some of these kids, you know, I'm explaining to them, hey, this ain't going to be the make or break of whether or not you get a scholarship. Did you compete in two tournaments during a worldwide pandemic? That's not going to be it. What's going to be the make or break is, did you continue to prepare and stay ready? Did you continue to develop, you know, your game and perfect your craft in the downtime? That's going to be the make or break of, does a coach see, you know, what he needs to see in you? And so I guess the next question would be, what would be your advice or your recommendation to the players, parents, and coaches uh, that are being affected by COVID-19 right now? Um, first and foremost, um, this, this pandemic is severely um, impacting the country itself, you know, so they got to identify not just only with their realm of sports, um, you know, as a whole, you know, everybody is being impacted by, by this uh, pandemic. And the coaches that are taking initiative to work out with players, um, you know, they're taking a chance of putting themselves in danger and harm. Um, I don't know. I can't speak for state to state in terms of that, but just looking at the the um, the the changes that's happening right now, um, I do have some clients and uh, coaches that I talk to out of state. Like they 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 feel like you know the season's not going to happen, so. In terms of that, you know, I, I talk to them in terms of just keeping the players in a healthy state of mind, you know, not just only want to be together as a group, but individually, you know, um, work on skills to develop themselves more physically, but not also mentally is in terms of uh, how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with stress, how to deal with depression, you know, and a lot of kids are taking the self-blame, like, why, why me? You know, it, it don't have anything to do with them. It's just what's happening around the world itself, you know, um, and getting them to understand that there's things they can control and things they can't control. And that's where, you know, it would help to alleviate stress, anxiety, because you only can control what you can control. What you can't control, you just got to be able to let go, you know, and just focus on the things that you can control. You know, that's 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 where everybody needs to be in terms of what's happening around the world. Now, if you get impulsive, you know, get outside of uh, the guidelines or CDC um, 
and the requirements throughout the world, you know, now you set yourself up for more anxiety, more stress, you know, more depression, self-isolation. And with that, you know, all of those factors that can play into your mind can lead to devastation as in contemplating suicide or homicide. You know, so my my first and foremost approach is like control what you can control and what you can't control. You just got to let it be um, because everything is unpredictable right now. You know, so even when I go to work, you know, things are still uncertainty, but we have to follow guidelines, protective measures, you know, and me talking with my clients. You know, the first thing I talk about, you know, focusing on the things you can control and the things you can't control. You know, you just got to be able to let it go in terms of that, that save you time of anxiety, stress, you know, worrying, um, give yourself an opportunity to know that, you know, I'm here. I'm still able to maneuver. I'm still able to move around. Um, so my focus is just talking to the clients in terms of self-control, um, along with uh, controlling the things you can't control. And why would you waste your time getting angry and upset when you can't do anything you know, outside of what you're able to do? Control what you can control. I think sometimes that phrase does not get said enough. And I know for the many trials and tribulations that I've gone through, I've found myself applying that phrase to keep me motivated to keep me going and you know that is perfectly applicable to what is going on right now with COVID-19 again not competing or you know competing in one or two tournaments during the COVID-19 pandemic that's not going to be the make or break of whether or not you get a scholarship. It's the preparation. You can control whether or not you get up, you go outside, and you work on your dribble. You can control whether or not you get up, you go outside, and you work out. Those are things that you can control. But you definitely cannot look at what everybody else is doing and think that you have to be doing what they're doing in order for you to accomplish your goals and your dreams. So I love that you use that phrase because, you know, that's a, that's like the second, you know, or third gem that you done dropped, you know, on in this podcast. And I know we have many more uh, conversations to come just off of this, this first conversation. I mean, it's, it's really been, it's really been wonderful. Um, but if, if, if there was another gem that people need to go ahead and be sure they take is, is control what you can control. Because that is powerful. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And-
Oh man, that's it. That's it. <laughs> if you don't know, man, that's a notification for the final segment of the show. Uh, basically, it's you know your opportunity to stake your claim in the universe, man. Go ahead and exclaim, and uh, you know make a public proclamation to our viewers of who it is that you know you believe you are and what you bring to society. You know, just share you know a little bit about yourself outside of the realm of just your profession so go ahead i'm gonna give you 30 seconds to two minutes to go ahead and make that make that statement all right so it's on you coach hardback we listening okay um first and foremost you know i'm a believer you know i believe in faith you know uh, i definitely believe in high power uh, first and foremost, you know, I won't be in the position that I, I am right now, you know, thank God to the opportunities. Um, I'm a father. Um, I'm a husband. Uh, I'm compassionate. You know, I'm a, I'm a caregiver. I, I believe in uh, each one, support one. You know, I'm, I'm transparent. Uh, I'm just down to earth. And I like to, you know, share my expertise. As they say, each one, teach one. You know, coming from an old school, you know, coming up from a Southern background, you know, it's about the uh, love and affection, you know, being a people person, you know, and don't don't hold back what you know, share with everybody that you that you come in contact with. So, you know, that's how I approach life itself. I take it one day at a time and I'm just able to be thankful and being in a position where I can share upon and shine a light on individuals. Um, not just as a profession, but just as a person himself. Did y'all did y'all hear that? That was that was on point right there. So you know, he said, "I'm a believer." He's a husband. He's a father. He believes in the each one teach one concept. He shines a light on others, not just from his profession, but in life. Like this whole segment of who do you think you are? It's kind of funny how it, how it was formed. It kind of came out of a, a a negative, but I like to always try to turn things into a positive if possible. And uh, you know, this is something that I feel people should do on a daily basis. You know, maybe before you go to sleep, whatever self motivation. You know, ask yourself, man, who do you think you are? And then don't only just ask yourself who you think you are, but be who you say you are in that moment. You know, go out there and be a go-get. I know for a fact, Coach Harbeck, you are those things, man, because you reached out to me first, and I'm glad that you did, and you're willing to, to do that with the networking, um, you know, and, and take those risks, and, and you know, you're a go-getter with it, and, you know, I'm just really, really excited, you know, to begin this partnership and hopefully we're going to have you back on the show at a later date for some other conversations or other topics. Um, but let me just say, man, you know, I, I really do appreciate, uh, you know, you taking the time out to come on the show. If you can maybe, you know, put your information out there for people to get in contact with you or reach out to you if they have any further questions, you know, if any of our viewers are interested in, uh, looking into some of your services, uh, go ahead and take the opportunity and, and let our viewers know if, if they can follow you on social media or if you have uh, any other uh, means of contact, whether it be an email. Uh, first and foremost, you can reach me at uh, my IG account, first name Bobby, last name Hallback, 
and also at my uh, Gmail account, first and last name, one Bobby Hallback at gmail.com. And also I'm on Facebook, um, LinkedIn, and um, Instagram, as I said before. Word, word, man. I really hope everyone was able to get that uh, contact info. Coach Harback, man, I got to say it again. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you for being on the first episode of Put Me In, Coach. You know, I think it was a very informative session. Uh, you know, I think there were a lot of gems in there. And, you know, again, we look forward to having you back in the future, hopefully to go into, uh, you know, a little more in-depth uh conversations pertaining to mental health uh but you have a blessed day man and we will stay in touch thank you coach i appreciate it you have a good day and bless you also